Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, the message for today, this sixth Sunday of Easter, is that scripture memory verse which we read together uh, from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. So I hope this finds each of you doing well as we prepare for the uh, phase one reopening of our Northern Virginia area here. Uh, that will take place in a little under two weeks time. For now, it's the middle of May and sports lovers are wondering what's the summer going to look like? What is the fall going to look like? Uh, coronavirus has changed many things in life, including sports on all levels, right? High school, collegiate, professional. And what about our hometown World Series champions? Hey, go Nats, right? So. Right now, there are no Major League Baseball games being played, but there is hope as we've been told that uh, the uh, 100 uh, game season will begin late June, maybe around the 4th of July, play for 80 or up to 100 games with postseason play to follow. And get this, the World Series sometime late November, maybe early December. Now, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? The World Series in early December, but everything's weird right now. <laughs> in any sport, whether it is baseball, basketball, football, soccer, anything else, the old adage holds true. The best offense is a good defense. And that is how sports teams become champions. You can excel offensively and score all the runs in baseball, you can rack up all the points in football, basketball, soccer, but unless you have a good defense, it's all for naught. Um, it's all for naught. And so on this sixth Sunday of Easter, we're going to focus on that verse from Peter in today's epistle lesson, which we read together. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, doing this with gentleness and respect. So we're going to overlay that verse over against the first scripture reading where Paul is in the city of Athens at the Areopagus giving a defense of the gospel, applying this to our own lives today. So today's sermon is entitled, The Best Offense is a Good Defense. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching, the hearing, and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So Peter's epistle reading was originally written to newly baptized believers. And here, Peter provides post-baptism instruction on how they are to live as those who are marked with the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit for life eternal. Peter prepared his hearers for the very real possibility that they would suffer for the sake of their faith. They might well be slandered or reviled for their good behavior, but they are to remember that Christ Jesus also suffered. He suffered for their sins, as Peter points out, the righteous 
for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. And further, Peter explains that Jesus, following his crucifixion and death, went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Now, what does that mean? This is a reference to what we profess whenever we confess the creed together when we say, He descended into hell. Now, lots of people think this is part of Jesus suffering his humiliation. And that may be what it sounds like, but that's not what it is. In fact, this is not part of Jesus' humiliation at all. It's part of Jesus' exaltation. Think of Jesus' humiliation as descending steps going down, down, down. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Down, down, down. From the utmost heavenly heights of glory and eternal majesty, Jesus descends into the darkness and despair of our human condition, taking the crushing burden of our fallen nature, our sin, upon himself. But that all ends with his cry on the cross, it is finished. With that cry, the entirety of our redemption was fully and forever finished there at the cross. And everything thereafter is about Jesus' exaltation. And think of that then as ascending steps going up and up and up. He descended into hell. He rose again on the third day. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Jesus descending into hell was a victory parade in enemy territory. Jesus entered hell itself to preach, to proclaim that he himself was the victor, the champion over sin and death and hell. And so when we confess that part of the creed, he descended into hell, we ought to do this with joy and thanksgiving, with heads lifted up, not heads bowed down. Peter goes on to liken Noah's rescue through water to our rescue through the waters of baptism. To all those who say that baptism is just the symbol and nothing more, the Word of God here says this, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Baptism saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. And this prepares us then for what we will celebrate in the week ahead. Jesus' ascension into heaven. He has gone into heaven, as Peter writes. He's at the right hand of God. And we will do that this Thursday, May 21st, remembering and giving thanks how 
Jesus, 40 days after he rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. So I invite you to join us for our Ascension Day worship service, Thursday, May 21st at 12 noon. It will, like this service, be an online service at this same uh, spot, sjlc.com slash live. So our scripture memory verse for this week is from Peter's epistle, as we heard, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. But the first part of the following verse is important. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. The original word for defense here is apologia, where we get our word apology. What? So it's like being sorry for something? Nope, not being sorry, not regret for something, but a defense of what you believe in, like the apology of the Augsburg Confession, one of the chief articles of faith in our Lutheran church. Peter is telling us to always be ready to make a defense to, uh, to anyone who asks us about what we believe in. And what we believe in is Jesus Christ is Lord. And Paul was doing that very thing in the first scripture lesson for today, Acts chapter 17. Paul was in the center of thinking and culture in the ancient world. It was the city of Athens. And atop a rocky hill in Athens was this place called the Areopagus. Uh, it was the home to the highest governmental council, a judicial court there. It was a place where people came together to discuss and debate thoughts and ideas and philosophy. And all around were idols from the whole pantheon of Greek gods and goddesses. Zeus and Hera, uh, Poseidon and Hades, Aphrodite and Apollo, just to name a few. So as Paul walked all around and spoke to people, he stirred up interest in this message he was proclaiming. So standing up in the Areopagus, Paul proclaimed, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And Paul went on from there to proclaim God as the creator of all things, pointing them to salvation in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul met the people of Athens where they were. He addressed them in the context of their own unique situation. And that is key for us to understand today. The best offense is a good defense. Paul was making his defense of the good news of the gospel with gentleness and respect, like Peter says. 
and he used that altar to an unknown God as a springboard to preaching about the truth of Scripture and the Christ of Scripture. Now in our own day and age, there are many altars to an unknown God all around us if we have the eyes to see them. As we get to know people in person or virtually, we get to know how they live, what is important to them. We find out what their God is, which might be very different from our own God. Now we can choose to be offended, insulted, and upset by how they are worshiping or not worshiping, or we can choose to look for the springboards to make a defense to anyone who asks you about the reason for the hope that is within you, doing that with gentleness and respect. That's how we ourselves would want to be treated, right? With gentleness and respect. Let us afford that same honor and privilege to the people we come into contact with as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. No one is ever berated or belittled into the kingdom of God, but people are attracted to a message that is made with gentleness and respect, especially if it comes from someone they know, they know and trust. And we have the message, the good news, that makes an eternal difference. It is the message that we have a God who is God with us, Emmanuel. We have a God who did not withhold the life of his only son, but freely offered him up for us all, who suffered and died on the cross, who rose again from the dead to redeem us from futility, from hopelessness and despair, to buy us back from death and destruction. That is the message we bring to the world, one person at a time, as we join Jesus on his mission in daily life. May our risen Lord Jesus Christ open our eyes, our ears, our hearts and minds to recognize those springboards for conversations about faith by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, may we always be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks us about the hope that is within us, doing this with gentleness and respect. God help us to do this for Jesus' sake. Amen.